uh, do this a little bit different today. Normally I have you stand up as we read the scripture, but we'll, you'll see why I'm going to do this. I'm just going to get into the word. Reverend Ron has already prayed for us. But uh, if you would, uh, pay attention to the screen. Instead of grief during the holidays today, I'm going to talk about worry and anxiety. Dealing with anxiety at Christmas. Dealing with worry and anxiety at Christmas. One article put it this way. A psychological uh, journal says that there are five causes of holiday worry or holiday anxiety. One is expectations. People come into the holiday season with all kinds of expectations. And the definition of disappointment is unmet expectations. And so there is anxiety. There is, I want this to go well. I want this to be the best ever. I have expectations about the holidays and worry and anxiety come with that. The other is, and I don't know if this affects anyone here, but another source of anxiety and worry is travel. Uh, You know, the holiday seasons are high peak travel uh, seasons and people who don't like crowds or people who don't like to fly or people who don't like to get on the highway. Anxiety and and fear and worry about getting on the roads uh, is a source of holiday anxiety. And then third and probably most for parents with young children or parents who have many people that they have to buy for and you grew up for with with giving a lot of gifts, finances, huge with anxiety. I don't have enough and they're going to be disappointed with what I get them this year. We have slim pickings and that kind of thing. And finances, people go into debt for Christmas. Amen or oh me. That's a word. Don't go into debt. And then family situations. I wish I could say all of our families got along, but some of our families don't get along. And there are people that you know that you're going to need to see during the holiday celebrations, and it may create some anxiety, some worry. Maybe you've had uh, odd against them, or they've had odd against you for for some time or another. And it, it just brings you anxiety or worry when you have to face them. And then uh, last but certainly not least, social gatherings. There are some people who do not like to be in crowds. And there are some people who do not like to be, even if it's not a big crowd, being in a place where you have to talk. That's that, it's a source of anxiety. It's a source of worry. It's a source of... So, so they're, they're, they're not limited to these five, but this particular article talked about five causes of holiday anxiety. The American Psychological Association says that 80% did a study about holiday uh, worry, and it says that 80% of people at some point during the holiday season feel stressed out. About 80%, 8 out of 10. And then another 43%, probably higher these days, uh, about 43% feel sad or lonely. During the holidays, it's a real issue. So I'm going to ask the question, what is anxiety? What is worry? What are those things? And you'll be surprised to discover that worry and anxiety find itself, find its root in something very, very good. All worry is, is concern run amok. You worry and you're anxious about it because you're concerned about it. It's like having concern on steroids. It is like having concern that has gone haywire so that it affects the way you think, it affects how you feel, and it affects what you do. 
Now, let me say this parenthetically, and I don't mean to make light of it. I mean, I want to make a distinction between those who have clinical issues with worry and anxiety. That may find its root in a physical problem. So you need to see a doctor and you need to take your medication because that type of worry and anxiety finds its root in our physical bodies and you can't pray it away. And you can't talk it away. Some of us have anxiety and worry and we do need to see someone and you do need to talk about it. What we're going to talk about today is a seasonal anxiety, a seasonal worry where the the holiday season brings it on. And you don't normally operate this way, but this is just bringing uh, worry and anxiety for you. And the root is spiritual. The root is in your relationship with God. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. 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 So most of us, the worry is a spiritual condition and it finds its root in our relationship with God. So the question comes, well, what does the scripture say about worry? Next slide. It should be Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. How about all of us read it together with me? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let the church say, Amen. What you'll notice in this passage is that the worry and concern limit themselves to three things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. Do you see that? But that is that that what Jesus is doing here is giving the root of some of our overall general worry. But many of us worry about all kinds of things. And we, we, we're anxious about all, of all kinds of things. But you'll notice in the passage, if you were to read the whole thing, it actually starts at verse 25. And in the passage from 25 to 34, there are three times where Jesus says in this sermon, he says, do not worry. When Jesus says do not worry, it is a command. So the issue becomes, well, what is worry? Is worry just something that happens to me and I have to to suffer through it? Is worry just something? No, actually, worry is an issue that all of us face. We can either face it the way Jesus wants us to face it, or we can face it in a sinful way. Worry is almost like anger. It says, be angry, but do not So here, Jesus said, don't worry. And in these areas, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. And don't worry about what you're going to put on. But he goes and says, the pagans do this. And guess what? Your father knows that you need these things. The worry is irrational because if we know God and we trust God, he knows what our needs are. And he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things are going to be, they're going to fall into place. You know, I I believe this is true. There's no verse that says this. It's not one of those, you take one step, you know, God will take two. None of that. 
But it is a, a statement that we need to, to, to kind of focus on. If you take care of God's house, He'll take care of your house. If you seek His kingdom, then you don't have to, to, to be drinking Maalocks at night worrying over your needs. Seek ye first His kingdom and righteousness and all these things are going to be given unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The issue becomes, don't worry about stuff that ain't happened yet. Tomorrow isn't even here yet. You'll have enough time to worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. And guess what today is? No. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. And you're still all right. Think about that, and you'll get it in a minute. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. And you all right? Are you all right? Okay, turn to the next slide. And I want you to see this, that worry and anxiety and fear are spiritual. They are spiritual. They are not. If you try to deal with spiritual issues in a natural way, you will be more worried and more anxious and more frustrated. You deal with spiritual things in a spiritual way. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The, wep- the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine and powerful to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captivity, take into captivity every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What I'd like you to see is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're, they're not natural. They're not fleshly. They, they don't come in. You don't fight the same way. You fight spiritual things in a spiritual way. The weapons of our warfare are powerful to tear down and to demolish strongholds. And one of the, one of the things that we need to see worry and anxiety and fear that, that, that is concern gone amok is it's a stronghold in my mind. If you talk to somebody who is worried about something, you talk to somebody who is anxious about something, you can have the best arguments, the best illustrations, the best uh, words to try and convince them to get out of this anxiousness, to get out of this worry, and it does absolutely nothing. Because it's spiritual. It's spiritual. It is a strong hold. And a strong hold is a thought that is in your mind that is contrary to what God says and you can't shake it. Because it's a strong hold. So this worry and anxiety is real. And just like we talked about grief last week, although you may not be experiencing it now, it could be that you're listening to this message because you either have family members, friends, co-workers who are struggling with worry. I guarantee you there's somebody in your life, if not you, there's somebody in your life connected to you that is struggling with worry. Even though you may not know it, they're struggling with worry. They're struggling with anxiety. They're racking their minds with what ifs. 
about what could be and what's supposed to be and, 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 and tomorrow's coming. Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Many of us are getting older. Am I going to have enough money for retirement? Am I going to be able to keep this job? Am I, am I ever going to have a good relationship with my, with my spouse or with my children? Am I going to be able to, 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 to do the things that I, I want to do and, and need to do, but, but I just don't know? There are some people with a clinical condition that can't even leave their house because of worry and anxiousness. It's real, y'all. And I believe that God wants us to use these spiritual weapons. I believe that God wants us to use this to get out of that. I believe that God will undergird us. God will help us. God will will give us what we need to fight through this. And if, if, if we don't, at least we'll have the foundations to talk to someone that, that will help, with, help us with it. There are things that you already know that you need to be reminded of. But they specifically in the scriptures talk about worry. Point number one. During this holiday season, if you're racked with worry and anxiety, focus on the word. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Listen, that feeling that you feel when you're anxious, that feeling that you feel when you're worried, I don't know what your feeling is, but my feeling starts at my feet and then stops right there in the pit of my stomach. And it doesn't matter what I think about. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It is always there until I get a good word. Until I talk to the the person who I might have issue with. Or I talk to the situation. Or I go and get counsel. or Or I talk to a mentor. Or I get someone points me to the word. Or I have a devotional time. Or I get in the word. There is a point in which that anxiety hits and it weighs you down just weighs you down. But what happens, what, what, what the proverb writer says is, it's a good word. What is a good word in the time of anxiety? A good word is a word that fits your situation. It is a word from God. It is a scripture that fits your situation. And there are these wonderful devotions that will have scripture that will meet a specific need. If you're worrying, there is scripture. Do not fret. Do not fear. If there's, there's, there's anxiety, there's scripture for that. If, if you're sick, there's scripture for that. If you're, uh, your mind is racked with doubt, there is scripture for that. But it, it, it presupposes that the Word of God is your foundation. And for many of us, the Word of God is not our foundation. Notice uh, in the text... Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. What's the next word? But. I don't want you to put but God here. I want you to put but the word. Or but a word. It is but a word. God will always have a remedy for the situation. I'm going to give you examples with people. But, but, but take these people. They had the word with them. They had faith with him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For every Goliath, there is a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there is a Daniel. 
For every king Artaxerxes and, 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 and Haman, there's an Esther. For every Pharaoh, there's a Moses. For every sin, there's a Savior. For every issue of death, there's a rolled away stone. There is something that God gives us in the Word of God. Put this down in your notes if you're taking notes. Colossians 3.16 is one of my favorite verses. It says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I was reading that today and... and uh, uh, one of the things, the remedies and one of the things that God wants to replace our anxiety and our, our worry with is peace. And so I was looking at that verse in my Bible and I said, well, let me read one verse up. And in verse 15, it says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one, one body and be thankful. See, what God wants to do is to replace that worry, that doubt, that anxiety with His peace. It is the peace of God. And in other words, Jesus is the prince of peace. All the storms, He just raised His hand and said, Peace, be still. So we've got to let the Word of God dwell richly. Can I give you an illustration? I hope it stays in your mind. In Luke chapter 10, I believe it is. Yeah. Verse 41 and 42. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus says, after he, 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 he arrives at their house, Mary's been cooking, Mary's been playing, I'm sorry, Martha's been cooking, Martha's been preparing, Martha's been getting ready for Jesus, Martha's doing this. He arrives. Martha's still trying to get things ready. You know if the pastor comes to your house, you want your house to be in order, you want food to be right. Jesus looks at her and says, Martha, Martha. Guess what he says? You're worried. You're worried and concerned about so many things. Mary decided to be in with the men listening to Jesus. And he says, there's only one thing that's needful. And Mary has chosen the good thing. You can choose... Between being worried about everything over here and being anxious about it and being wrecked with anxiety, or you can choose to sit at his feet in his word. You choose. Mary chose the good thing. Won't everybody say, focus on the word? Second thing is to fight anxiety with prayer, fight it with prayer. Very familiar passage, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Anxiety and worry are spiritual. They find their roots spiritually. You defeat them with with the weapons of our warfare, which are the word of God. And prayer. And prayer. Notice it says, don't be anxious. There's a command again from the Word. If you're anxious, if you're over, over, overly worried about something and, and your mind is fixed on it, then that is sin. The, the, the original language is not just normal, you worry once. Not like, like, like you've just been angry once and you got over it. No, this is a habitual state. Of being anxious and of being worried. And the Lord says, don't be in that place. 
anxious and worried. But pray. But pray. But pray. And men and women, I'm not real sure that's our, our practice all the time. It's not always mine. What this verse is telling me is, I know you're going to call others, but did you pray? I know you're going to tweet out your feelings, but did you pray? I know you're going to post on Facebook what's going on in your life and how you feel about the situation and how worried you are about it, but did you pray? I know you're going to fret. I know you're going to pull your, your hair out, but did you pray? I know you're going to try and figure out on your own, but did you pray? I know you're going to, you're, you're going to try and, and, and self-medicate alcohol and other things, but did you pray? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Can I give you three things about prayer? Number one, you need to pray. But number two, you need to get some people who are praying for you. You need to pray. You need to get some people who are praying for you. And not only that, now don't pray by yourself and get some people who pray for you. But we've got to be vulnerable enough to pray with there's something that happens. We always use this verse for low attendance, and it had nothing to do with low attendance. Yes. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name. <laughs> it only has nothing to do with low attendance. What it's doing is guaranteeing when you get together with somebody else and you come together seeking God's faith, He's going to be there. Quoting that verse for low attendance. Don't you do it, Jeremy. Look at Jeremy laughing. He's going to go all the way to London. Wherever two or three. There ain't no low attendance verse. Get some people to pray. You pray. You get some people to pray for you. You pray with others. Do you know that in the book of Acts, the recurring theme is the ministry and power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer wedded together. They met together in prayer in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 4, they were there praying. And it says it was so powerful that the house shook as they were praying together. But many of us are lone ranger Christians. We don't want to pray with folk. Probably one of the most important uh, uh, meetings we have as a church is second Sundays and second Saturdays and fourth Saturdays when the men have prayer breakfast on fourth Saturdays and women have prayer breakfast on second Saturdays. We pray together. There's power in prayer. Amen. That will always be a foundational point of this church that we pray. The last thing I'd like you to see is it starts off with being anxious and you remedy it by, by prayer. But again, our goal is to replace that anxiety and replace that worry with peace. And so he says, after you pray and give your, 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 your request to God, that the peace of God, you not even be able to understand it, the peace of God. When you've lost a loved one, the peace of God when you've lost your job, the peace of God when you have a, a child go astray, the peace of God when you begin to doubt your faith, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. What it's going to do is guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Men and women, we got to pray. We have got to pray. Let me say this before we get to our third point, that 
worry and anxiety. Can I give you a picture? It's an indicator light. Just like you have on the dashboard of, of your car. It's an indicator light. Not telling you that you need some gas. But telling you that you need some word and you need some prayer. Because you're empty. Because you're empty. It's an indicator light. God has given us that as a gift. It is concern run amok. It's okay to be concerned. It's okay to focus on that. But it is not okay to be paralyzed by it. So, the first thing is that we, 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 we've got to, to, to find a good word. We, we've got to focus on a good word. Second, we've got to fight anxiety with prayer. And last but certainly not least, we need to find comfort in His love. Got to find comfort in His love. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. The NIV takes away cares and uses the word anxiety. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your anxiousness, all of your worry upon Him because He cares for you. God hadn't forgotten about you. He cares for you. Well, Pastor, how do I know that He actually knows how I feel? Because He experienced the same thing. It all goes back to Jesus. It all goes back to Him. Well, Pastor, how can you say that Jesus felt worry? How can you say that Jesus felt anxiety? Have you read your Bible in, 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 in all of the Gospels when He is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? He is so anxious. He, he is so concerned about going to the cross that, that He prays and He is so intense that He sweats drops of blood. One, one commentator, one gospel writer says he would pray and he would fall down and he would get up and he'd pray and he'd fall down and he'd get up. It was like he was doing a boxing match with Satan. Because he was so concerned. And guess what he did? He prayed. He prayed. And this is what his prayer was. Lord, if you can take this cup from me, take it away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but... And that's the, that's the point, y'all. You don't need to be worried about it. He's going to accomplish His... Well, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, it's because yesterday I needed some time just to, to be away. Restoration Academy, we had played a home game and we had played a, an away game and they wear two different uniforms. White uniforms for home games, black uniforms for away games. And so we had two sets, two sets of JV uniforms, two sets of varsity uniforms. So I went to the school. I didn't want to wash at home. I knew I needed to get out of the house. So I went to the school to use the washer and the dryer. And I had my moment. I told you last week that you scheduled times of grief. That was my time of grief. And I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going. And the Lord gave me a word. He's established His throne in the heavens. And His sovereignty rules over all. That means nothing to you. You know what it meant to me? Unexpected death. Not planned. He didn't, you know, we, we weren't prepared for it. We didn't know. There was no long sickness. There was a, your brother is dead. He's established His throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. 
it dawned on me, light bulb came off in my head and in my spirit. God wasn't surprised about what happened to my brother. He wasn't surprised. Reggie, he already knew. He had already orchestrated it. He had already said, you're going to live 58 years and 11 months. That's what he already, already knew. We are the ones surprised. He ain't. He's not threatened. He's not worried. He's like, oh, snap. That's my brother died. Jesus ain't up there doing that. <laughs> now, am I still going to breathe? Certainly I am. Oh, the foundation I have. I'll never forget, Sister Jackie, being at your niece's funeral. We were there at Elmwood Cemetery, and the pastor that did the, the word at the cemetery said, What do you say when an infant dies? Such a good word. He said, and I can't remember the sweet, sweet baby's name, but he said this She fulfilled the purpose. For which he was created. Most of us measure life in longevity. But she fulfilled the purpose. It was only a matter of months. She fulfilled the purpose for which he created. And my brother fulfilled the purpose for which he was created. Y'all, Jesus understands. He comforts us. He cares for us. He wraps his arms around us. He knows. He experienced it. He gained victory over worry and victory over anxiety. And he wants to give us that same victory. But you got to know him. you got to know him. He died on the cross. He took on all of our sins, all of our issues. All of our anxieties, all of our fears, all of our worries, and nailed it to the cross. And it died with him. So now, undue worry and undue anxiety become a choice. And not a condition that you have to suffer through. Dear, dear friend of mine uses the phrase, I choose joy. In this situation, I choose Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word today. We pray, Father, that we would focus on your word, that we would fight anxiety with prayer, and we'd find comfort in your love for us. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, I pray that they would confess their sins, that they would say, Lord, I need a Savior. That they would put all of their faith and trust in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. Paid the penalty for all of our sins. His shed blood cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. I pray that they would believe that he rose from the dead. And that he lives now to make intercession for us. He will give us his Holy Spirit if we trust him. Father, during this holiday season, we pray for our our loved ones, our family members, our co-workers who are racked with work.